All right, good morning. Welcome everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Two quick announcements before we get started. The Holly Hoffman uh, women's event coming up on October the 9th. So if you don't know, Holly Hoffman was a Survivor contestant. Um, and so she's going to be coming speaking here um, at Life Church. And so you have an opportunity to buy tickets either by going out. Jennifer will be selling them out there in the cafe. Or you can go onto our website or go online to be able to get tickets. But again, great opportunity for women of the church to be able to get together and a great opportunity for women to use this event to reach people in the community. Be a great chance for people to get together. So uh, get tickets for that. We'd love you to be a part of that. Also, Baptism Sunday coming up on September the 18th. Um, some things that we've been tossing around is, um, you know, because there's already 25 people signed up to be baptized. Um, and so, yes. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out, you know, we haven't done one service at Life Church in a really long time. And part of the funny thing about Life Church is if you come to the second service all the time, you really don't know who comes to the first service. And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun, you know, to be able to try to figure out how to get everybody together? So we are doing one baptism service on September the 18th at 930, um, where, again, we'll do the 25 baptisms and then we're praying God you know, if anybody wants to come through during the open baptism at the end, um, we're, but we're going to do them all together as a service with some baptisms, worship, and all those things mixed together. So we'd love for you to be there. Even if you don't have somebody getting baptized, it's going to be an incredible service. But if you're coming and thinking you're getting out of here in an hour, that ain't working. <laughs> so it's going to be, a, you know, again, we're praying that the line never stops, that people continue to get baptized and we see God do amazing things. So that's going to be happening on the 18th. Uh, and so we want you to be aware that 930 service, it'll just be one service. So we'll figure out how to get all the chairs and all the people in here. All right. So we're at the end of where we finished up the Revelation series. And so the question always is when you spend seven months, eight months doing a book of the Bible, what do you do next? right? Like we've been talking about the same thing over and over again for a really long time. And so what do we go back to or what do we talk about? So one of the things that I learned in my own life is, is that you tend to get in a routine and you tend to go through things, you know, and you tend to, you know, move through things. And then at times in life, either God forces it or you do it where you have to put on the brakes and refocus, Right? Anybody ever been there where you're going along in life and something happens and it's like you got to slow down and you got to look up and you got to figure out what's going on? And part of that stopping of your life is to refocus, try to figure out what's going on and what's happening. And so that happens to us personally, you know, all the time, or God allows those things to happen, or you choose to do it. Like I tell people all the time that, you know, one of the things you probably should do in your life is stop for a second, you know, and evaluate. Are you doing the right things? Are you focused on the right things? And just try to do it yourself every so often. But anyway, as a church, I have found over the course of 20 plus years being in ministry, so being full-time here and then being a part-time youth pastor when I was in Monroe, is, is that you have to stop every once in a while and reevaluate what you're doing, right? You have to stop every once in a while and ask yourself two questions, right? So, you ask yourself these two questions, whether it's personally or whether we're asking it as a church. Why are we doing what we're doing? Right? Like, because it could easily become, and this is, you know, what my fear always is in the church, that church just becomes a routine. 
right? To come on a Sunday morning and you check your list and then you go off and you do, you know, something else. And then pretty soon the church measures their success by how many seats are full. And at the end of the day, as long as their seats are full, you checked it off the list and you're happy and you just repeat the cycle, right? And a lot of times in churches, that, again, would make them happy, right? For the first time ever, you got seats full and people are coming and, you know, giving is up and you just go down through that cycle. And so at times, I think churches just fall into that trap of just doing this repetitive cycle. And at the end of the day, they've redefined why they do what they do. Because at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself the question, why are we doing church to begin with? Because I've always said this, listen, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but I have always said from the beginning of Life Church, if all you're going to do or all we're going to do is get together on a Sunday morning for one hour and gather, and I don't care how many seats are full, and then everybody's going to go out and keep doing their same thing and never change the world, I'm not doing it. Like, I don't want to be a part of a church like that. Like, I don't want to be a char- part of a church that, like, for sure, you can fill the seats. Like, you're the new popular church, and you can fill the seats, and people are coming, and people are excited, but then they go out on Monday and just go back to doing the things they were doing and don't really change the world. Right? Like, I don't want to be a part of that. So, periodically, we have to stop and say, so why do we do what we do? Because it can't be just for this. Right? It can't just be for the gathering. It can't just be so that everybody, you know, that, that our only goal is for everybody to show up on a Sunday morning. And once we've established the why, like the why we do what we do or the important what matters to us, then we have to figure out how are we going to do it, right? So we know what matters, but how are we as a church going to go down the road and how are we going to execute what matters most here? Right? And how are we going to be able to do those things in the church? So in this series, that's what we're going to try to do. So the church, you know, defined is to give us an opportunity for you that are coming to Life Church to have an opportunity to know what Life Church is about. What, what does matter to us? What is important to us? And because this is important to us, this is how we do things. The same thing that we're going to be able to try to do with you is the same thing. We're going to try to tie together that God also gave you a mission and wants you to be able to do certain things. And how do we tie the church's mission and your mission together? Because when those things happen, this is what you see in scripture, when God's mission and people's mission are tied together, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are saved and the world has changed. When God's mission and your mission and the church mission are all separate, things don't happen. What happens is religion, what happens is activity, but what doesn't happen is life change, right? Because here's the thing about doing church. Like any of you guys that have been in leadership before, but really especially in a church, you find this all the time, is that when it comes to how a church should do do things, almost everybody has an opinion. And I've heard most of them from people, right? Like I've heard from people, their opinion on how church should be done, right? And at the end of the day, here's what I want you to hear, right? And I want you to understand this in the best way possible. When Life Church first started, so when we came over here, Life Church worked really hard to try to figure out who are we going to be and what's going to be really important to us. Because one of the things I knew about being in ministry One of the things that I knew about being in ministry before is that everybody's going to have an opinion and they're going to try to sway you over to their opinion. So if you don't know what you're doing, right, you're you're just going to go like this. Whoever's got the loudest mouth, right, right, anybody, 
Whoever's got the loudest mouth and complains the most, you're going to tend to drift that way, right? Because you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the other squeaky wheel that you got to listen to again and again and again. And if you don't know what you're doing, right, then you, you tend to go over in that direction, right? So when we started Life Church, we were very specific in saying like, this is who we are going to be and this is what we're going to stick with. But what was funny is it didn't quite turn out the way that we planned on how we were going to plant. Because it's easy to say you're going to stick to your guns until nobody comes. Anybody that's ever started anything? Like, it's easy to stick to your guns and say, we're going to be this, and then nobody likes it. And then you're like, oh, crap. You know, now what are we supposed to do? Because in the beginning, when Life Church started, first Sunday after, you know, people came, the people that came to Life Church tended to be the people that hated their other church. And the idea was when a new church starts and you hate your other church, do you know why you go to the new church? So that you can get what you want. I know none of you people were those people, right? But this tends to be the case, right? Like you didn't like your old church, so you come to this church and you're like, I have an opinion on how you should do church. And so I would sit down with people. And again, because I do want to hear people's opinion, I would listen, right? And I would hear what they have to say. And then I'd filter it through the mission I felt like God had for this church and the mission that I feel like God has for his people. And I would just say, I probably wouldn't keep coming here. Because if that's what you want here, it's never going to happen. And to the extent of where people would be like, but you realize we're what you need. You know, I mean, maybe when I say it, maybe you don't know. Like in a church, here's the funny thing about a church. Like you plan a church and you depend on like people coming, right? And people giving money. Like that's how the church keeps going. And so, you know, when those people came with, you know, money and they're the people that have been in church all their life and they're like, but if you would just do these things, like you could get so many more of us, you know, and I'd be like, that's a terrible idea. You know, and I'm just thinking they're going to be like, you're right, Jesus is awesome, I'm going to change my whole life. And you know what they did? Just left, you know, and so you had this spike of people, and then there was no people, and then you're sitting here wondering, like, what am I doing, right? Because, like, nobody's coming, and is this really the mission? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing? And that went on for years. People come, people go, people have an opinion. I mean, we just did this over and over and over again. And so what I want us to be able to do through this series is what I want us to be able to do is for you who are coming to Life Church, you need to know what our mission is. Right? If you're coming here, you need to know what we're about. We've been doing this for 18 years, and, and again, thankfully, you know, because of our staff and the people there, we're not, I mean, we're not changing. Like, we're on mission for what God wants for this church, and we've done the same thing. And it's worked at times, and there are other times where people hate it, but at the end of the day, we've stuck to our guns. Like, this is who we're going to be. You know, this is what's going to be important to us. And if you're going to stay here, I think that's important for you to know, right? But more than that, more than just knowing the church's mission and mission statement, you should probably figure out what mission you should be on. Because those two things have to go together, right? So when you talk about the whole idea of why we gather, why we gather is to take the church's mission and your mission and tie it together. And when we put those things together, we're on mission for Jesus, and when we're on mission for Jesus, this is what we see. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people get saved, right? The disconnect in the church in America right now is those things aren't connected, right? We have people who attend church and churches who have mission, 
you know, but people not connecting and living on mission, right? That's what's happening in the church today. Lots of people attended, few people living on mission, right? So how do we tie those things together? So we're going to try to set that all up today and hopefully, you know, get us a a good start to this series. And then we're going to keep breaking it down and helping you understand how does it all fit together. All right, so here's the first thing that we need to do, right? We need to get focused, right, on what your mission is and what my mission is. Because you know what's the funny thing about all the people who came and met with me and left the church? Because, you know, that's how it happened. They'd meet with me. They'd say, like, these are the things we want. And I would say, like, this isn't what we're going to do. And they'd be like, well, you realize we're not going to keep coming. And then they would leave, right? And there were all kinds of excuses, right? Too loud a sound, not loud a sound enough, you know, um, you didn't have enough cookies. I mean, I mean, there's still, some of the stuff that was out there was just nuts, like why people were leaving. But at the end of the day, I heard them all, the people left. And then the one thing I've never heard, 20 plus years of doing ministry, I never heard anybody walk into my office and say, the reason that I'm leaving your church or life church is because I'm living on mission. This would be the person. Like I'm living on mission and I'm living out God's vision for my life and I'm out there doing everything God's called me to do and the church isn't helping me get it done. So I'm gonna go find a church that's helping me. Like I've never heard one person leave a church over that. Anybody? Right? Like I'm saying here at Life Church, I've never heard anybody that, like there was lots of excuses, but I never heard anybody say, Life Church isn't helping me accomplish the mission. Like I'm trying to live on mission and I just can't get it figured out. Most of it is selfish reasons of things that you don't like. There are no people like me. Right? And we're going to talk about this later. Like, well, there's no college kids. There's no high school kids. There's, you know, I'm a young person. There's not enough young people. Or I'm an old person. There's not enough old people. You see what I'm saying? Like most people leave over, I didn't like the worship at my old church. The worship was way better, you know, than it is at this church. And I like all of those things, but never did I hear, I'm trying to live on mission, but this church isn't helping me get it done. So what I want to do is say, you have a mission. Like if you call yourself a Christian person in this room, God's given you a mission. And here's what I want you to understand about this mission. Remember when we talked about someday you're going to stand in front of Jesus and be held accountable for the things that you've done in your life? Were anybody here for that message? Yeah. So like there's going to be an account for your life. That account comes from one, if you gave your life to Jesus, but two, did you live on mission? So don't you think it'd be a good idea to say, I probably should know my mission, right? And I should probably understand the mission that God gave me. Now, we're going to look at that or help refocus that in Matthew 28. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20, here's what was happening. And here's what you need to understand from the backstory. Here's what you know about people that are at the end of their life, right? And they have few days to live or few weeks to live. Two things happen. They gather people around them that are the most important, and they only say the most important things. Anybody? Right? Like when somebody's dying, like most important people, get in the room. Because I have something really important to say to you. Right? They're not jacking around. They're not making small talk. They're saying, I know what I need to say and I want to get it out. Well, Jesus was the same way. So remember, Jesus had died on a cross. You know, he'd went around and visited all of his disciples and then he gets to the end and it's his last days and he's getting ready to ascend to the Father, right? Ascend to the Father and sit at the right hand. He will no longer be with the people on earth. So what's he do? Gathers the most important people around and says the most important thing. 
For us as Christian people, that would say, you should probably listen, right? Like I have something, because he wasn't just saying it to the disciples, he's saying it to all people who would call themselves a disciple, right? I have a mission for you, right? And here's the mission. This is what he says. Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. Says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Every single person who would call themselves a Christian has a mission. What's your mission? Reach, teach, and send people out. What will you be held accountable for? Your decision for Jesus and whether or not you are reaching people, teaching people, and sending people out. That's your mission, right? And so I've always said to people, you know how I would pick a church? Because I'm gonna be held accountable for this someday is somebody that helps me accomplish the mission, not whether the worship music and the preacher's good. Right? Like you better pick a church that's gonna help you get done what you're gonna be held accountable for. Because who gives a crap if the preacher's good and the music's good, but you're not on mission and you're going to stand in front of Jesus Christ someday and you're like, holy crap, I was in a church that had great music and great preaching, but I did nothing. Never challenged me to be on mission, never challenged me to do anything. If I'm picking a church, if Jesus said to me, therefore, go, and you're not going and I'm not going, or I don't know how to go or what to do, I'm going to find somebody or a church who's gonna help me get it done. Because someday, I'm gonna stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ and he's gonna say, what did you do? So I need somebody's help. Like I need a church's help. I need to understand how those things work. So if you put the brakes on for just a second in your own life, this is what I want you to understand. When you evaluate life church, here's how I would evaluate life church. Not preaching, not teaching, not worship, not anything. I would do it on this. Are they helping me go, therefore, into the world and reach people, teach people, and send those people back out? Are they helping me get it done? Now, it can get done through worship and teaching and small groups and all of the other things that go on. But if we're not helping you get that done, if this isn't a vehicle for you to live on mission, I would never come here. Never. You need to go to a place that's gonna help you be on mission because here's what I want you to get and you're gonna see this as we go. Don't get caught up in this trap. This is a trap. Attending church on a Sunday morning for one hour and then going out and living on your own mission and not his is not going to go well for you in the end. Do you hear me? You see, the church sometimes celebrates what really isn't important. Look how many people are coming. I mean, it ain't doing nothing, but isn't it cool? Look how many people are getting, I mean, we look at these things, but you know, when we're talking about the why and what we should be doing, we have got to get back to this idea that we have got to figure out how to connect your mission, okay, what God's called you to do with Life Church's mission. How do we tie those two things together? Because if those two, two things don't tie together and our mission and your mission isn't helping accomplish God's mission in this world, then I'm not even sure why you would do church or why we would gather together or why we would do these things. Like we've got to be able to carry out God's mission. Now, here's what I want you to see. 
So I want you to hear what is Life Church's mission because we're very strategic. The mission statement that we picked, because I've always said this to people, personally, you should have a mission statement. If you run a business, you should have a mission statement. If you're married, you should have a marriage mission statement. If you run a church, you better have a mission statement. You know why? Because you're going to be naturally on mission drift. You're naturally inside of your marriage going to drift away from what matters most. And every once in a while, you got to get back together and say, this is why God put us together as a team, because we're better as a team than we are separately. Are you hearing me? Right? Because pretty much in life, we get into this like, we're just, you're both going down the road. It's not like there's anything wrong, but you're not either living on mission of why God put you together. God put you together because you're a better team than you are separate. What are you doing as a team to fulfill the mission? You know why you should run a business with a mission statement? Because somebody else is going to tell you how to run your business. Anybody ran a business, had somebody tell them how to run their business? And then we just have to come back to and say, you know what? I'm not mad at you for your opinion, but that's not how I'm running my business. I'm not giving in to those things, right? A thousand people are going to tell you how to live your life. Anybody have them? A thousand people are going to tell you what should be important in your life. If you haven't decided what's important, you're going to listen to everybody else. Because somebody else is going to tell you what's important. So you have to decide early on, have a mission statement. Same thing as a church. Church better have a mission statement. You know why? Because everybody's going to want to tell you how to do the church. So we're going to have some foundational things inside of our mission statement that aren't just talk. Okay? You hear people say it, like you'll see it on some of our stuff, or you'll um, read it on some of our printed material. You hear, like, even on our welcome video where we say, our mission statement is helping every person take their next step towards Jesus together. And you're like, that's great. That's a mission statement. It doesn't sound too weird. It's good. Right? But here's what I want you to understand. Our mission statement is very strategic. Like, we put it together for a reason in the beginning. So I want to break it down for you. Why in our mission statement does it say every person? Very important to us. The way that we organize the church is based around this whole idea of our mission is to reach every person. Because the tendency for people, okay, and and again, this is, don't get upset when I say this, but people are naturally cliquish, right? So that's just natural. You talk to people who are like you. You talk to people that are kind of in the same, you know, age as you. You talk about the same demographic as you. You tend to do that clicky, right? Like we can say, well, I don't want, I'm, no, I hate clicks. I'm like, you're, you are a click. <laughs> like just by saying you're the, the people that hate people being in clicks, you're still the click who hates people being in clicks. Right? Like people tend to have this gravitation to people who agree with them, that are like them, and they tend to create cliques. Well, that doesn't stop inside of the church. The church just tends to become even a worse clique, right? Because at the end of the day, this is what happens, and I know nobody wants this to happen. But when we say every person, we're saying every person churched and unchurched. But you know what happens inside of the church? The church becomes a churched click and it's just a ton of churched people and an unchurched person comes in and they're like who i don't fit in 
right? And we very specifically, like I'm going to get into some of this detail later, but every decision that I make is based around this every person mentality. Like I think we've had this suggestion probably every year for 18 years. You know, people say, you know what you should do in the beginning of the service? You should have everybody get up and shake hands and welcome each other. And I'm like, you are crazy. And here's why. You know why you're crazy? Because this is an unchurched person's view. You know what happens with unchurched people? First of all, they come early and they sit in seats. Guess how many church people talk to them? Zero. So then they get in their seat and they're sitting there and they're kind of wandering around like, you know, is anybody going to say hi? And they kind of sit there and then everybody gets in, all the church people after they talk to all their church friends and had all their church donuts together. And then they all get in the room, right? And then the preacher stands up and says, hey, you ought to welcome somebody. And then somebody turns around to that guy and said, we're so glad you're here. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're really not. If a preacher made you get up and say hi to somebody, you don't give a crap. I'm not creating atmospheres that fit around this whole idea that isn't around every person. Every person matters to me. And so I think about the unchurched every time we make a decision, just like I think about the church, right? And so when we talk through these things, every person does matter. And when we design things at this church and the mission of this church says that we believe that this church will be made up of the unchurched and the churched. And believe me, we've had people who have left because church people don't know how to get along with unchurched people. Isn't that funny? The whole mission of why you do everything, yet you can't even relate with them. Way to be on mission. But anybody tracking with me? Do you see it? Like, have you been a part of something like that before where, you know, you miss it? Like, you, you get it, and it seems good, right? It seems good because you're happy, right? As a church person, guess what the church is doing? They're meeting every one of your needs. And as a church person, you're like, I love this church. Like everything's for me and I feel so good and everything's designed around and all this church language and everything that they say and how they do everything and the way people dress, it fits me and I love it. And I'm like, dude, Do you ever know that like someday you're gonna stand in front of Jesus and he doesn't really care whether you were happy? And neither do I. Like as Life Church, I'm not saying we don't care, but I'm not gonna worry about trying to create a church that from the standpoint of, oh, I want it to all be the unchurched or all to be the church. You should be diverse and you should love it because that's your mission. Here's the other way that helping every person Also, in the whole click idea, you know, churches tend to lend themselves to be, you know, all one thing, okay? So the thing that happens a lot, so college kids, we have some college kids in here, but the thing that always happens is there's the college church, you know what I mean? The one where all the college kids go and send the, so if you're at the college, they're like, where do you go? And like, we're all go to here, and then they all go to there, right? But you know why they all go to there? Because that's where all the friends are. Right? So they make a decision based upon, well, this is where all the friends go, right? And I'm like, okay, help every person. We shouldn't make decisions as a college person on where we go to church based upon whether all my friends are there, right? Or back to if you're a young person, this isn't just college people. Like if you're a young person, I need to go to church where all the young people are. 
you know? Or you're an old person. I need to go to the church. There's just too many young people here. I, can, I mean, I don't know what to do with all these young people. Like, people tend to be, there's the college church, there's the young person's church, there's the old people's church. Anybody? Right? And you look around, and it's like all your demographic, and you all look the same, and you all make about the same amount of money, and you all kind of dress the same, and that becomes your church. Well, that isn't every person. Or just like, uh, when it comes to worship, you know what's funny about worship? You know, they're going to be, because I think that diversity is really important inside of a church, but you know a lot of times people pick a church on whether it's the church that raises their hands or the church that doesn't raise their hands. Because you know what the people who raise their hands sometimes say? Well, the Holy Spirit isn't present if everybody ain't raising their hands. And you know what the people that are sitting on their hands say to all the people that are raising their hands? Like, all those people are weird. I got to go where there are no weirdos. (laughs) And I'm going to go like, I'm saying, listen to me. Listen to me. The manifestation of the Spirit can happen with a person's mouth closed and sitting on their hands, just like it can to somebody whistling to raise their hands. And if you want to be in a church that just does one thing, then here's what I'm going to guess. You're in a church that's not on mission, and the only mission is so that you can be selfish and be around people that are like you. Right? So helping every person was very strategic in saying, you better pick a church that's diverse because there's got to be people here that are like, it is weird as a hand sitter, won't raise my hands, sitting by Todd Little. (laughs) Amen? Right? But I'm saying you want the most beautiful things in the world is that because you got to be coming for a reason right? To be like, that's not me. I'm not comfortable. I'm like, isn't it great? Like, that's what makes it so great that God's making you uncomfortable. We're not here for you, right? We're here to, to like be on mission, and you're like, oh, this isn't comfortable, but man, I just, God's moving, right? And that's what we're really here for. That's the help the every person piece of it, and it's really important to us. And then in our mission statement, you know, when we look at it, so this whole idea of helping people take their next step, well, here's the funny thing about um, church, too, is, is that the only way to help a person take a next step is to know where they're at. And isn't it funny that a lot of people inside of this church don't know where anybody's at? Because you haven't taken the time to sit down and ask anybody. You know, because you fell into the trap, you know what the trap is? If I even make it on Sunday morning and make it in soon enough to get donuts and coffee and out without anything happening... I'm about the church person as you can get. Trap? Because is that really why we're doing it? Right? Is that really why we're trying to get this done? Is just so we can hope that you made it on a Sunday morning? No, the idea is every person, but not only every person, every person taking a step, every person moving towards something. And the only way that gets done is if I know you or you know somebody else, or you're in relationship with somebody, and you ask some of the hard questions. You can't know where somebody's at if you won't ask them the question of where they're at, right? And so you gotta know where they're at, and you know why sometimes people are afraid to ask the question? Because you don't wanna get in the mess. Because you don't have any time for mess because you already got your own. Anybody, right? Like you got enough of a mess, you don't need somebody else's mess. Right, so you're gonna be like, I gotta get my mess right before I can help anybody else with your mess. And I'm like, get in a mess together. 
Helping every person take their next step is too messy. People can help people take steps. In fact, it might be better. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all right. But taking that next step is really important. And not only taking a next step, but also where does your worship center? This is the last part about our mission statement. We want to help every person take another step, but we want to take it towards Jesus, not just to be a better person. Listen to me. Too many times inside of the church, and you see this, is the church helps you become better financially because if you pray about it and you give and you're going to get a lot of money, you're going to be like, look at what God's doing. Is I got, I got my money right now. Or somebody's going to be like, you know, I, I want to come to the church because I come to the church and at this church, and I mean, all the healing happens and you got my healing done and I got my time management done. I got, at the end of the day, you got everything that you want. And guess what you are now worshiping? Money, healing, time management, organization, and pretty soon you worship all these other gods in the name of Jesus, but you're not worshiping Jesus. Did that make sense? I feel like that's kind of all. I mean, you hear me? Like, you come, my life's messed up. Somebody helped me get my life messed up by giving me a better time management system. And now my time's organized and I got all these things done and I'm meeting with people. Now you just worship time and not Jesus. And now you worship money and not Jesus. And now you worship, just pick the thing, but pretty soon you're worshiping something other than Jesus. Our responsibility is to be more like Jesus. And in the end of the day, yeah, you might be better with your money in the worship of Jesus because he gives you the foundation for what you should do. And you might be better in living on purpose because of Jesus, because you're worshiping him. But we tend to do it in the opposite, right? We have got to get to the place where we understand how to recenter or redirect our worship, okay? So in our mission statement, helping every person take their next step towards Jesus and we do it together in community, our mission statement should line up with God's mission statement for you. Go out into all the nations, baptize people, teach, reach people and send people. Our mission statement should help you get that done. And everything that we're doing behind the scenes is based upon this idea. We're gonna do this and if you're doing this, we believe that it goes together. You know, because you know what we're counting on? You know the way that the church becomes diverse with the unchurched? You brought them. So you can count on us not doing weird things. Like, I won't make somebody get up and shake their hand. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you should be out there doing this stuff because you're like, I know my church is on mission, and if I'm on mission, when it comes together, something's going to happen with that person when they get here. The Holy Spirit is going to work in such a way that I can't even figure out what it's going to be, but two people on mission releases something from the Holy Spirit that changes the heart of people. Make sense? Right, so the next part of it that we got to address is, is the worship, right? So if we're understanding this whole idea, if we want to redefine the church, and we also have to understand how we at times worship the wrong things. So this is in Joshua 24, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 15. So Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Remember the story of, of Joshua. So Abraham, go to the promised land. Abraham didn't make it. Moses, take your people to the promised land, but he's got to first get them out of Egypt. Doesn't make it. Joshua, the one who takes the people into the promised land. Again, he's at the end of his reign, at the end of his leadership. He gathers everybody together and he addresses an issue. Here's the issue. We have a worship problem. You know what the worship problem is? Is you came from Egypt and you were worshiping. You came from the land that we live in now and you're worshiping. And you worship God and you're trying to put it all together. Sound familiar? 
Sound familiar with the people who come and worship God on Sunday but worship all other gods the rest of the week? There's only a couple people going, yeah. Right? Like, we know this is a problem. We know that there are people who are coming to pray, raise their hands, say, God, I'm worshiping you, right? And then they're going out on Monday, and that's for sure not true. They're worshiping something else on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday of their week. So there was a worship problem. Joshua is addressing the worship problem. Here's what he says. Joshua 24, uh, 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, your ancestors worshiped before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So throw these things away. And then he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. So here's this thing that he's, he's like bringing everything to a head. He's making them recognize that they're worshiping God and other things, right? So he's calling it to a head when he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You know what he's saying? You got to make a choice. You can't serve them both. You cannot, this is what he's telling you, you can't come and worship God on Sunday and worship everything else on Monday through Saturday. You're going to have to make a choice. It doesn't fit. And any church that tells you that it's okay is lying to you, right? It doesn't fit together. So here's what he says. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites and those um, land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He made, a, he made a connection. I can't just serve God one day of the week. He has to be the God of my life. And I have to serve him not only on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. I am making a decision. This is what Joshua was telling him, and you got to make one too. Will serving the Lord be a one day a week thing for you? Because if it is, it just does, it fits right along with the other pagan people in the world. You got to make a decision. If you got to make a decision, are you going to serve him every day of the week? But make your choice. Because if you don't make your choice right now, when you stand in front of Jesus someday, you're going to be surprised. Because he's telling you, make a choice. You need to know where you're at. Now, how do you do that? This is what we're going to end with. So what are your tools? So if this is the idea, you need to live on mission, you need to be a part of a church that's on mission, you need to refocus your worship. What are your tools that you need to be able to get it done? Well, this is found in Isaiah. So in Isaiah 6, this is the scripture, and this is going to be the foundational scripture for the tools that we're going to give you and help you understand what's going on and how we're going to help you understand how to be a disciple and make disciples. This is Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. So it says, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered uh, their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices and the doorpost, uh, uh, voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple filled with smoke. Now, you remember when I told you there are people that had visions of heaven and there are people that actually went into heaven? We talked about that in Revelation. This is a vision from Isaiah who got a vision into the throne room of heaven. That's what he's talking about. Right, So I get a vision, I see into the throne room of heaven, he sees the glory of God. Now, if you know Isaiah, Isaiah was one of the top prophets of God at the time. A prophet being God would speak to him and said, now you need to go to speak to my people. So when he sees the throne room of God, you would think he would feel pretty good about himself because he's been doing everything God's called him to do. 
right? Like this is a person, Isaiah, for crying out loud. This guy's been faithful in everything that he does, but his reaction, listen to what his reaction is after he sees the glory of God. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man with, of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me uh, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Kind of crazy, right? He sees the glory of God, and then what does he see? His sin, right? Like you stand in front of the glory of God. You might think that you're okay, but in front of the glory of God, everything is revealed. And Isaiah the prophet being revealed was like, holy crap, I'm a sinner. I'm in bad shape, right? Like I, I got, something's wrong, right? I have sin, but then the angel comes and shows him, but there is atonement. When you can admit that you're a sinner, there is also atonement for sin. You see that? Right? He admits, yeah, I'm a sinner. Woe is to me. But then the angel comes and puts the coal on his lips and says there is atonement for sin. And then the craziest part is, so he looks up and he sees the glory of God. And then he looks in and he sees, I am a sinner. But what's the next thing that happens in the scripture? So he says, then I heard the voice from the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? What did he say? Send me. When I see the glory of God and when I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sins have been atoned for, only one response can happen. I got to go out and do something about it. I got to go and do something about those things. Now, here's what I want you to see. The worship team is going to make their way back up. I want you to see how this goes together. This is your tool, okay? So, I'm gonna, and I'm going to use some terminology that might be uncomfortable for you, but I want you to hear me through all of this. So, I want you to understand the difference between a Christian and a disciple, okay? Because understand that when Jesus gave the call to his disciples, he said, go out and make what? disciples. He didn't say go out and make Christians, okay? Because here's what I want you to hear. Here's what happens inside of the church sometime. So churches create experiences that make people look up. Anybody? Glory of God. Oh my gosh. I've seen it for the very first time. God is amazing, creator of the universe. Wow. Then the preacher comes and say, now that you know the glory of God, you also know that you're a sinner, right? And you're like, yes, for the first time ever, I'm a sinner falling short of the glory of God. I got all this crap and it's terrible. And the preacher says, well, you know what? If you don't get rid of that crap, you know where you're going? You know where you're going? Hell, you know what hell's like? It's a place where you're going to burn all the time and the worms eat you and the pain never goes away and you're going to want somebody, but you're in isolation and it's going to be terrible. And at the end of this, do you want that? No, I don't want that. You know the way that you fix that? You just need to pray this prayer, and here's the prayer, and then you need to write it on a card, and at the end of the day, you're saved. Look up, and they looked in, and like, I got a problem, and the preacher said the problem is be going to hell, so you know what I'm going to do? Resolve the problem by saying a prayer and writing my name on the card, and now that I'm good, you know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? I'm going to go out and do whatever I want to do. And they call themselves a Christian. Anybody? And they call themselves a Christian person and for the rest of their life they live selfishly and someday they're gonna stand in front of Jesus Christ and he's gonna look at him and say, I don't know who you are. 
Because that's not what he said. It's not what he said. People do that one time in their life. They write it on a card, and now all of a sudden they have the fire insurance they think they can live the rest of their life with. That's not what Scripture says. You know what Scripture says? Look up! Glory of God. (laughs) He is incredible. Look in and recognize that you're a sinner. Understand that the only atonement for your sin is Jesus Christ. Thank you. But immediately... The difference between a Christian and a disciple is immediately when you recognize that you've been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, your eyes automatically go out into the world. You automatically, all the selfishness of in your life gets stripped away and said, if I've been given this by Jesus Christ, I got to give it to other people. I have to give it to other people. I can't keep this for myself. And you know what makes a disciple? Not when they do that one time, but when they do it all the time. Every day I'm going to look up, I'm going to look in, I'm going to look out, and I'm going to repeat, and I'm going to do that thing every day. And if you do that every day, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, you know what the problem with the church is? The church is full of Christians and not disciples. You know why I know that? Because inside of the church, you have people that looked up and they looked in and they're like, I'm a sinner. And then God saved them. And you know what they spend the rest of their life doing? Not looking in anymore, but looking out at people and judging them. Anybody been in the church like that? They looked up. Jesus Christ saved them. Now all of a sudden, they're better than everybody else. They're not looking in anymore because you know what happens when you look in every day? Who are you judging? You're a piece of crap too. Right? Like when I open it up every single day, you know what I realize? You know why I don't struggle pointing at people and judging them or telling them I'm on the same journey? Because every day when I see the glory of God, I'm reminded that I am a sinner, falling short of the glory of God and thankful for the mercy of Jesus Christ every single day. And I'm not going to spend my time doing that because I know who I am. And the church too many times is full of people who've made one decision and then the rest of their life is to put down everybody else because they're not at that place. So we gave you a tool. You're going to get these on the way out. We're going to hand them out. So it's a little bookmark. You can put it on your fridge. You can put it in your book, but it's going to tell you to look up. This is an everyday thing. I want you to do this every day. Look up, look in, look out, and repeat. Okay? So my challenge to you is this. Every day this week, for the next seven days, that's what I want you to do. Every single day, I want you to create an opportunity to see the glory of God. Now, listen. Isaac and I talk about this, you know, a lot. I'm not just talking about getting up and doing your Bible study. It's when you're feeding calves and you look at a sunrise and you're saying the glory of God. Anybody? You see the beauty of the sunrise. You don't have to be in your Bible to recognize that God is majesty. And he is incredible. And when you look up, I want you to be reminded to look in and be thankful that God has saved you. And then the second thing that I want you to do is ask for an opportunity to look out. Ask for an opportunity for God to show you somebody that you can reach and somebody that you can do. So these, and then it'll have the scripture verses that went with it for the next three weeks, but pick these up on your way out. Uh, If you'll stand, I want to pray for you. Suddenly, Father, we're just coming to you today, Lord, just learning how to to take the purpose and and focus that you've given each one of us and mend it together with the church, Lord, because we believe that in this life, when, when we live on mission, God, that you can use us in amazing ways. Lord, use us in amazing ways. Help us refocus our lives. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
want us to pray like this week we can pray together to take opportunities every single day to look up and just be reminded of the glory of God. Be reminded of the things that he's done for each one of us as we look inside and pray for opportunities for God to give you a chance to reach out, right? And to be able to see, to give somebody what he's given you, right? Some of the, the greatest gifts who ever been given is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that we as a church, as we go through this series, that we'll learn how to mess the, mesh the mission that you have with the mission, the mission of the church, and we can see God do incredible things. So again, don't forget, on your way out, Kevin Blackburn's uh, benefit dinner is out back. So Kevin, who has battling cancer and going through some stuff to help his family out with financial needs and just to, to show support to them, there's a meal out back. We'd love for you to stop in and say hi and support them them by buying some food. So thanks for joining us here at the main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.